Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We are down to six days until the NFL draft, which means next week, think about it, next week at this very moment, next Friday, could be one of the most exhilarating or most depressing physically and mentally debilitating uh, moments in the history of this show. I mean, next week, we're, we're either going to, I think we're going to be really, 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 really happy or really, 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 really upset next week at this time. As far as the middle, I, I guess there's always a chance that will be in the middle. The Saints are probably capable of that. What would that mean? If a week from today we're kind of not really one way or the other, it would probably mean like they didn't draft a quarterback, but they drafted a linebacker and a cornerback, which again, probably good players. If they did something like that where, like, they drafted no offensive players, but it wasn't a quarterback they drafted, you know, they seemingly reached for a safety and they drafted a linebacker. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. But I guess that would be the middle. I wouldn't be – I'd be really relieved that they didn't waste a pick on a player that can't help this team for the foreseeable future, and a quarterback, which would be stupid. Um, but not really the positions that we've been talking about. So I guess that, I guess middle is possible. But I, but I would think that more than likely, more than likely it will either be really, really happy are really, really upset. Like really, really, really upset. So we'll see. We got we got that waiting for us. All right. Uh, on this Friday, we will talk Cajun baseball with Craig Melanson, uh in the third segment of this hour. In the second segment of the next hour, plan on talking a little LSU spring football. LSU spring football game is tomorrow with with Tim Buckley, who's newly employed by Tiger Rag and has kind of been kind of getting his real big introduction into LSU football so far this spring. So we'll get his impressions there and see what's going on there. LSU baseball last night got a win, five to three over Missouri. I um 
again, we've kind of talked about it here and there in recent weeks. You know, I know a lot of people are upset about the way LSU's playing, and, you know, obviously they're not as good defensively as they need to be. There's, I mean, I don't think anybody would, would hide that. But, again, the thing that I keep going back to is you look at the SEC, not that many teams are playing well. Playing at that level that fans want LSU to be at. I mean, let's face it. If LSU does what it's supposed to do at home against Missouri, who's a kind of towards the bottom of the league team, Missouri's 5-11 and 11 in SEC play. LSU's going to be in second place at the end of this weekend. More than likely, I guess it's possible that Auburn could sweep. Auburn plays South Carolina. That 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 it's very possible they could sweep. But uh, A and N, like right now, LSU is eight and eight. They're a half a game out of second place. There's a three way tie at eight and seven between Auburn, A and M, and Bama. Bama plays Georgia, who's got the third best record in the in the conference. You know, there's Tennessee, and there's Arkansas, and there's Georgia. So Alabama plays Georgia. I'm not saying they're going to get swept, but they're going to lose at least a game, you would think. So if LSU sweeps Missouri, which I understand the way LSU's played at times is not, you know, it's not a ginormous if, but it's a relatively large if. I get that. But if they do what they're supposed to do at home against Missouri, who's one of the two or three worst teams in the conference, they should be in second place unless Auburn sweeps South Carolina, which is entirely possible. And um, and A&M plays Arkansas. So, I, again, I, I understand LSU's not playing like there's more of a transition in some era, era, areas than a lot of LSU fans wanted in Coach Johnson's first year, but but they're just not much of a stretch to think they're going to be in second place in in the in the division once this and not just second place in the division, depending on what happens in the East. I mean, not the not that the overall standings matter that much, but. Like, they could be in fourth place in the whole league they sweep this weekend. And, and again, it's because of what we've been saying. You've got Tennessee and Arkansas, and although Georgia's kind of kind of trying to separate themselves from the rest of the – everybody else is either like – either right at 500 a game above or a game below 500. Like, the majority of the league's all within like a game of each other, botched up in the middle, right around the 500 mark in conference play. So there, all you are is one little three-game winning streak away from being in second place in your division for just about everybody. So that's just kind of the way the SEC shaped up this year. So we'll see if they uh, win these next two games um, at home. The Astros open a... Three-game series against the Blue Jays. Wow. Man, the Blue Jays. Not a team you like facing. Now, the Astros have done pretty well against them. But still, on paper, 
that is a team that they're just they got their lineup is scary. And the Astros right now, nobody's hitting the ball, basically. I mean, like Jeremy Pena's hitting the ball. That's about it. Nobody else is hitting the ball. Everybody's starting off. You know, that first week they did okay, but since then they – and really that first week they only had one good offensive game. They should have been 5-1. and one. They started out 4-1, and one, and it was all pitching except for one game. They just pitched great the first week. And right now it's so hard to know how good anybody's pitching because – I think so many teams are – their hitting is just not there yet, and, and including the Astros. I mean, just miserable hitting. Uh, got Just guys who are just – they didn't get their normal spring. And in some people, even if you get a normal spring, it's not uncommon at all. You have some guys who are just slow starters. I mean, Bregman's been a slow starter throughout his career. It looks like Icky's going to be a slow starter. And so right now, my goal is to not get swept. And if you can win two out of three at home this weekend uh, against the Blue Jays, then, then you're, feeling, you're feeling really good, and you just hope that you start hitting eventually. So we've got that look forward to. And, of course, um, you can hear a lot of that action, especially Sunday. LSU won't be playing Sunday, so you can hear it either right here on 1037 Lafayette or 98 or sister station 98.5 FM. So hopefully be able to catch the Astros if you need, if you're running around town this weekend. NBA last night, uh, you know, I don't know what happened with Minnesota. I said that I thought that had a chance to be a good game. It was a strange game, very strange game. Uh, it looked like the Timberwolves were going to blow them out, and then they lost. And they didn't just lose about one or two. <laughs> How do you lose by nine points? But anyway, uh, that, that it's a strange team. And Memphis, that, that's been a strange series, a hard one to figure out. I'm going to give a little advice to our friend Nick. I happened to hear some of Nick's interview with uh, with Raymond last hour and look we all do it I do it everybody does it but my advice is when when you make a crazy prediction like the Nuggets are going to beat the Warriors in a series you, you you don't mention that is my advice you just let that go now if someone says didn't you say the Nuggets were going to win the series then you say then you got to put your head down and say yeah I, I did I you know I messed up. I, I messed up. But you don't offer up that information. You know, there's nothing wrong with admitting you're wrong sometimes. But when it's when it's like, well, I picked the Nuggets to beat the Warriors. Then when you make a prediction like that, even though they they don't have two of their top three players, then then you don't remind people that you made that prediction. You try to hide that, and and if someone if no one brings it up again, then you just let it go. I mean, that, that, that's the way to do that. So that's my advice to Nick on that deal. But uh, obviously he's all in on the Pels. I didn't get a chance to hear Lewis, but I, I'm sure he's all in on the Pels tonight. Um, and in this series, it's funny because nationally, like no one, like 
I, I was listening to ESPN. They don't even give the Pelicans a chance. I'm like, man, you're not even giving them a chance. They're like, this series is over. <laughs> okay. PJ like PJ Carlissimo is like he, he, he he's having nothing. He's like no Zion should not play, which I thought that was already established. Why did they keep talking about that? They already said Zion wasn't playing. I, I I don't know why they keep bringing that up. I guess they just have to have these silly little debates because that's what the show's about. But uh, but I was, I mean I, I don't think I don't agree with either side. I don't really think that. The Pels have it. I don't think it's even possible the Pels are going to win in five. I don't think that's possible. Um, but I also don't think it's just a foregone conclusion that the Suns are going to win the series. I, both sides seem a little to <laughs> need to go a little bit more towards the middle. But, um, you know, I don't think, look, Ingram was unbelievable in that game, too. He's not going to do that every game. That's just not the way series work just about every time. So he's not going to play that well every game. I mean, he was, you know, it was arguably the best game he's ever played in the biggest game he ever played, which is impressive. But you can't expect that he's going to do that, um, you know, constantly every game so I'm more in the middle I don't I don't think the the Pels are about to go on a three-game winning streak but also don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they can't win the series so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in that game obviously uh it's tonight at 8 30 so got lots of things to kind of sort of maybe get our mind off of the NFL draft with We'll try anyway. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll see how successful we are on the other side when we come back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Z28. Z28. Now, a running back with great speed and start and go ability, like a Chevy Camaro that plays for the New Orleans Saints, also known as Alvin Camara. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline is 706-0111. This is one of the segments that we would certainly accept your phone call. And hopefully, if you need to do that, we'll do that. Again, lots of subject. We talk LSU baseball. We're going to talk some LSU football in the next segment. We've got Cajun baseball. Cajun softball, both on the road this week, but still um, all series are important once you get into the second half of the season. Before we get to the game hotline, I want to remind you about Festival International. If you want to win this prize pack, time has basically run out, so you need to do it today uh, by going to the website, joining the Rewards Club, where you could win exclusive access to front row and stage areas, shaded seating, 
uh, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, pins, posters, all kind of great prizes as part of this Bon Ton Pass for Festival International by going to the website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today and join the Rewards Club. All right, let's go to the game hotline and see what David's got to say. Hello. Yes, um, good morning. Good morning. You know, you were talking about Utah. Was it Utah or Denver? And you know what? Earlier in the the previous segment, it really doesn't matter because here's the thing with Utah and Denver when it comes to NBA playoffs. They They are great regular season teams, you know, good feel, you know, feel good stories, the whole nine yards. But they never do anything. But but how did exact? I agree. But how, now the Nuggets didn't they make like a conference final or something a couple in the bubble? But but yeah, other than that, they never do. I I just don't understand teams like that. Like how do you win all these games in the regular season? Um, is it because you're lo- where you're located? So you I I don't know. And then you you just have no chance. It's just crazy. How how do you have no chance every year in the playoffs? And this is with or without their full complement complement of players. Look, in all honesty, the Pels have a better chance at doing something in the playoffs than Denver or Utah. Which yeah. one's playing Dallas right now? Is it, is Utah. Utah, Utah. Utah. And they're getting drugs. Utah is getting I mean, they and, won a game, the, right? no, the Mavs won. No, the the uh, Utah won game one, but again, Luka's oh, not okay. playing. And then they lost game two, and then they they lost at home. So they're down two to one, and the Mavs don't even have their best player, who's not just their best player. He's like one of the top five or six players in the whole league right now. So, yeah, it, it, they, they are. If I was a Utah fan, I'd be extremely depressed right now. You're correct. Yeah, but, yeah, so I, I, I don't put much confidence in those. If I were better with them. So do you think do you think the Suns are gonna win the like 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 most most of the national media thinks even though Booker's out, they're gonna win this series in like six? I wouldn't say six, but I would think that. And and I'm pulling for the fails, but I, I think that they they'll win the series. Um just because of the overall um team makeup, the fails like the fails, but I don't know if BI Right. Yeah, that's hard to do. Makes sense. Well, it's good talking to you again. Thank you, sir. Good to hear those old voices I haven't heard in a while. No, I, I, it's. We talked about that with the Jazz last week. It's like, no, like outside of Utah, there's like no one in the country that that even pays any mind, just even gives them a chance. And all these, I mean, every year it seemed like they win fifty something games, but they just, it just doesn't matter. Because they just never get it done when they're supposed to. And I, I don't know how you shake that up. I um, 
you know, on a smaller version, that's where Hannah's Mariners were a few years ago, where they, you know, every year they didn't make the playoffs every year. They hardly ever did, but they would have like winning seasons. It's harder to make the playoffs in, in baseball. Well, it used to be. It's getting to where it's almost the same now because they keep adding playoff teams. But it used to be it was very difficult to make the playoffs in baseball, but you could have winning seasons. Seattle went through a stretch of three or four or five years. Like, they would have winning seasons, but they just were never good enough to to do anything with it. And so they kind of had to start shaking it up a little bit. And they are seemingly like it looks like they're going to come out better on the other side because made some trades and they've got all this young talent and this farm systems ranked in the top two or three in, in baseball by most publications that do that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, they it seems like Utah, if I'm Denver, I'm thinking, well, I just need to get healthy and hopefully next year things can work out. I kind of get that but with Utah they gotta I don't they gotta shake something up a lot of people think Mitchell's gonna leave I don't I don't know that that's gonna make them better because it's obviously easily their best player but yeah it's it's just a strange dynamic how you could kind of be pretty good but never a chance to do any better kind of bizarre all right let's go back to the game hotline hello hey Kevin Howdy, sir. Hey, you know, just real quick, I want to tell you, I heard, I read something uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, do you know that the agent for Debo Samuel is also the agent for uh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown? Wow, no, well, I have yeah. not. It's really the same agent for all three. That's that's what I read. They both represent. They're all represented by one person. Well, if you believe the uh, the reports out of Tennessee, the AJ Brown's not going anywhere. Uh, again, I don't know what's this Debo Samuel thing's hard to read. I, something's it's just so dramatically. And DK Metcalf, I think that would just, if they trade him, it's just they're 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 doing what I was just talking about with Utah. Like, like at some point. If you feel like you you just maybe need to shake things up and kind of start over and go in a different direction. So I think that would be more of a contractual situation with DK more than any kind of lingering bitterness or anything. So I, I, I don't know. I Let me ask you this. Would you rather the Saints pick a wide receiver that's left or use one of their first-round picks and acquire a veteran? I don't know, man, because you're going to have to pay him, right? Like if you get uh, Debo Samuel, are you, are you talking about just a veteran like uh, Jarvis Landry or something like that? No, no, no. I'm talking about one of these big three guys. Okay, because like <laughs> you have to pay these people some mega money. You know, it, it it's it's crazy right now. I don't even know if we can afford them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I, I think I'd rather just stay put, draft, and, and, and pick one of these guys, and hopefully they get the right one. Right. That's that's my thinking too. It's. I don't know. I would love to have Debo Samuel. That dude's like, that guy's amazing. Uh, well, but again, I mean, he, he if he if he really doesn't, if he really doesn't want to be what he's been, and then in other words, he doesn't want to be a very, very, to, uh, very, very, very rich man's Ty Montgomery, then. Um, you gotta kind of reevaluate who he is in your offense. 
So yeah. I, you know, you know, again, I, I think he's great too. Don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, he isn't. He he scares me to death. And so I hope he does get traded. If he doesn't come to New Orleans, at least he's not there because yeah. the Saints go to play the them AFC next year, like everyone else. Yeah, go to the AFC. I'm all for that idea. Yeah, it's a good plan. Y'all go. Yes. Hey, you know what? Okay, so like this whole quarterback thing, right? I hate to bring that up again, but like it's been eating at me. So I was talking to uh, Nick Underhill on Twitter, and like he brought up in the past how he was advocating for the Saints to draft a quarterback even when we had Drew Brees. And then I was asking him why. And he's like, wait, he was comparing it to like, you know, what the Packers and the Colts did. But, you know, going from one Hall of Fame quarterback to another, right? Or, like, having the future, whatever. But I'm like, man, do you understand that this has only happened, like, two or three times in the NFL history? Plus, the, 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 uh, the, plus it it's harder sense, to do know? that now because guys don't want to sit two and three years like Aaron Rodgers did. Like, yeah. it's just, I don't know, I just don't think it's harder to pull that off now. So, like, and when people are talking about how there's no number one quarterback, do you remember the last draft quarter, uh, class, quarterback class that came out that they talked about how, like, you know, there was no number one quarterback or no uh, first-round draft grade for a quarterback in the draft? What was that? So the last one I'm thinking, I might be wrong, though, it was 2013 when they had, like, Luke Jockel and uh, – Oh, yeah, well, Fisher, Fisher. Fisher, yeah. Um, so, the, you know, you remember who the first quarterback taken was? Oh, I'd have to look it up. No, I don't. E.J. Manuel. Oh, man. Bruh. <laughs> uh, look, I, I just, you know, you, you know, you know what I, I want no part of picking Mike Bobby Scott. Uh, Geno Smith were the first two quarterbacks taken. Yes. That's who they want us to take. And, it, it, and Mike Glennon was, insanity. I think he was the next one. And that's supposedly who, who Casper to quit or like Mike Glennon. But anyway, yeah, let, been... let's hope that a week from now we're very, you and I are talking on the air like this and, and and we're celebrating and we're all excited and geeked up and ready for the season, ready for the schedule to be announced right. next month. I'm just so happy that Reggie Bush was available because can you imagine if we had Matt Leinard? Oh, like... Matt Leinard. What an awful player. Anyway, Anyways, I, I right, appreciate the call. Thank you, sir. All right, we'll do this. We'll take a timeout. Come back, and we'll get our friend Craig Melanso on, and I'll promise Craig I will not talk about Major League Baseball. I'm sure that's a sore subject these days. We'll talk about Cajun baseball going into this very important road series with Georgia State starting today. We'll do that next with Craig on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most? Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really, to his core, that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
Welcome back to Footnotes on the Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to tell you, possibly for the last time, we don't know, time is running short, to win VIP passes to the Hangout Music Festival, which is scheduled about a month from now, May 20th through 22nd in Gulf Shores, Alabama. If you would like to win VIP passes, you need to go to the website. You need to sign up for the Game Rewards Club. That puts you in position to win VIP passes to the Hangout Music Festival. Again, scheduled May 20th through 22nd in Gulf Shores, Alabama. In addition to the Halsey and Post Malone and Megan D. Stallion, they tell me Shock's going to be singing. Uh, so, you know, for those of you who like those groups, it would be a great opportunity. So sign up today. All right, Mr. Craig Malosa, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's Friday, so I'm doing okay. Now, Hannah said earlier this week she didn't think that Bobby Scott uh, like the move, like the song "Ricky Don't Lose That Number" from Steely Dan. But don't you think Bobby at some point probably enjoyed that song a little bit in the seventies? I think anyone in the seventies enjoyed that song. So yes, yes, I agree. I think Hannah's wrong on that one. Anyway, um, but she, Hannah does have some good music taste. I'm not sure she picks the music uh, coming in and out of break, but it is it is pretty good. I I I, I agree. I gave her some good advice, uh, so I I, okay. I agree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, huge series this weekend for the Cajun baseball team in that one, uh, you know, they're trying to rise up in the standings, and they've done a good job in recent weeks. And then also huge because you're playing a team with a top 40 RPI, and also huge because, you know, if you could win two out of three this weekend, when you look at the schedule, uh, you have the tough series at Texas State, but you have series at home against teams that are towards the bottom that you theoretically can beat. So I just think this is a huge series. How do you look at it? Yeah, it is, but it's also one that I think if the Cajuns can go in and take two out of the three from Georgia State, I think we would run away with that right now and be happy. I compare the Cajuns right now with Georgia Southern. I mean, if you look at strength of schedule, you know, the Cajuns have the 17th. Uh, strength of schedule, Georgia Southern 16, Georgia State 62. Non-conference, Georgia Southern 3, the Cajuns 4, Georgia State 76. Georgia Southern, now they were hosting Georgia State, was able to take all three. Now, some of those games were very close, but they were able to take all three from Georgia State. So I'm hoping in that kind of matchup that the Cajuns can do something similar, but being on the road, it's going to be a tough, tough series. You know, it was funny, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. I mean, obviously, I think most of us probably think LSU's lineup is better. But when you looked at when I looked at Georgia State's offensive numbers, they were almost identical to LSU's offensive numbers going into Tuesday's game. Yeah, Georgia State really plays in a hitter's ballpark out there. The field is not that 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 big. Uh, I think uh, it, it's. You know, 338 down the lines, 333, and only 385 to center field. So they really play in, in a hitter's ballpark over there. It's, uh, I, I, I hate to compare it to a high school field, but it, it really is. I mean, you know, you've got a few metal bleachers out there. It's not anything that, 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 that 
I guess they're proud of. But they, they're supposed to be building a new ballpark, and hopefully they will at the old Atlanta Braves Stadium. I uh, mean, County is it, Stadium. yeah, which is where they played football. Now, I don't know why they can't just play baseball there, but anyway, I don't have any idea about it. Is it kind of like Clark, the old Clark Field over there by Muni, or what, what, how would you compare it? Yeah, you're looking at something very similar. The The, the football field has been reconfigured. The, the Turner Field has been reconfigured, and what they hope to do is build right next to Turner Field where Fulton County Stadium was, and they still have the a uh, simulation of the fence in the location where Hank Aaron hit his uh, 714th home run. Uh, oh, 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 don't worry. Raymond and I, Raymond insisted when we went, when Elijah, when Eliza Mitchell scored that touchdown in overtime a couple years ago, what was that right? What was the week right after the uh, Iowa State upset victory? Um, yeah. uh, don't worry. Before we left, we had to go take our little picture. And, and, and I don't mind it because, you know, I love the history of baseball. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, no, I've been on that spot. Yes, sir. I, we didn't get a chance to do that. And that's one of the things that I would have loved to have done, but uh, I don't know. Like I said, just just for the history of baseball, I don't care if the you know the Reds have only won two games this year, and they both begin against the Braves. So, <laughs> so yeah, the, the Pirates have a better record than the than the Reds. The Pirates have been winning. Baseball season is yeah. The Pirates have been winning. I I, I don't know what's up with that, but um, as far as this Cajun team, um, we had the little fun thing that in Monday's press conference with Coach Deggs, with Matt, and Matt talked about it on his show, and he basically, uh, Matt asked him, who, 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 what is the plan for second base moving forward? And he kind of turned it back on us, and, and Matt said, well, I, I would uh, I would start Warner Rincones. And I looked at Coach Deggs, and I said, I agree with him. I would start Warner Rincones too. So, Craig, who would you start at second base this weekend? Uh, I like Rincones on the defensive side, and he also gives you a lift uh, uh, with speed on the bases. Similar, not not. I'm not going to say Marshock or or uh, Tyler Robinson, but um, at the same time, um, you know, you have Jonathan Brandon gives you some power there. So I don't know if you move him to first base. Uh, I think he needs to be in the lineup right now somewhere to hit the ball. Uh, I, I, I really like Rincones at second base. I like his defense. He's got a lot, he's got range at defense. He he throws strong to first base, which is something we need. We haven't seen early on in the season. And at the same time, I said if he gets on base, he's got speed and cause havoc on the on the base paths. I agree. Now. The other thing is, I know Jonathan Brandon has more pop potential than Warner Rinconas, but let's not act in my mind. Let's not act like he's this plus offensive player. I mean, most of his career, his batting average starts with a one, and he's been hitting in the low twos. Now he he has hit a home run, and he has hit some doubles, and he he's had he has hit some balls to the warning track. But I don't think we're talking about you know David King here or something. I I don't know. I, I, that's no, a little but- crazy to me. But but in his last five games, he is batting three eighty nine, you know, with with a four forty slug. So I mean, I'll take that if he can continue to produce, produce like that. So I, I agree with you that he's not he's he doesn't have the power of uh, Carson Rockefort. But but then again, we don't have a lot of home runs on the season. 
No, that 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 part is true, and I understand that. Now, with all of that said, earlier at the beginning of this interview, we talked about Georgia State and the, how they're a hitting team and all their hitting numbers and the way their ballpark plays. It doesn't sound like the Cajuns match up all that well with that ballpark. So maybe this is the one series that even if you're more of a defensive-minded guy like me in this situ- in this particular issue with Warner Rinconis, maybe this is the time that you uh, line up in, an, in, a, in a ballpark where you really need more pop potential in the lineup. Uh, I agree. And here the, the interesting part that I find is that they're starting a, a, a guy on uh, – on on Friday with a five over a five ERA, I mean that that to me tells me that you know he only has twenty two innings in, but that tells me that that they're that we can get in there and we can hit the ball. How many balls last weekend uh, when we were home? How many balls were at the warning track that the Cajuns had? A ton. I thought that was the, yeah, and, and that was a game that you know yes they were long fly ball outs, but I think they're out in that ballpark that, that in Georgia. Now, past results are not future, future. However, you say that, you know, it right. doesn't make, mean the future is going to happen. But I think the Cajuns are hitting the ball a lot harder. Look, look at uh, the best example of that is uh, uh, Julian Brock. He has been crushing the ball lately. So, oh no, I, I I agree. Now I wonder, and again, time will tell. But I wonder whether. Coach Deggs will have a di- little bit of a different offensive approach because of what we're talking about, or, or is your gut feeling he's going to continue to try to run and create things, and if he hits a home run, then great? No, I think I uh, – well, I haven't thought of it that way. I, I still think that he likes to run, and I think he, he I think he's going to continue to do that. I don't think that part of the game changes all that much. It all depends who's on base. I, I think you see guys like Marshock, like I talked about, Rincona's, and Tyler Robinson, all of those guys, he's going to let them do what they do. I mean, they're going to create havoc. Uh, you know, Jay asked me a question the other day about because uh, I, I talked about extra base hits combined with with, uh, with with stolen bases. This is the best team the the Cajuns have had since 2002, going back historically through 35 games. But at the same time, if you add that to their uh, uh, the, um, the slugging percentage, you know, so essentially you, you, you go from a, a 471 slug to, uh, I mean, a 403 slug to a 471 slug, which is which is seven seven uh, percentage points higher. Uh, it, it's the highest in the Sun Belt if you can compare stolen bases to the stolen bases plus slug. So I, I, I don't think you change that approach to the game all that much. I think you're happy if you hit a home run along with it. All right, one more question. Uh, I think it was just something to say, but maybe he's really uh, was it was on weighing on his mind. He changed the lineup a little bit in Baton Rouge Tuesday at LSU. He put Kyle DeBarge in the leadoff spot, and he and he put uh, Trey Lafleur in the game. I think it was his second start of the of the of the season because he's been hurt throughout the whole season and a lot of the season. And he made the comment how the offense didn't function well. Now I think it had more to do with LSU starting pitching than his lineup change personally. But he did make the kind of offhand comment in the post game interview that, you know, maybe I shouldn't have changed the lineup. So would you keep that lineup for a little while that he had Tuesday or go back to where it was before? 
I, I would go back to where it was before, and I, in my my opinion, I would drop Kyle DeBarge down to the sixth or seventh spot, protect him a little bit, give give him some common uh, con, uh, confidence back. I mean, we saw it with the well, I hate to say it, the Yankees when when Judge was a rookie. You know, they tried moving him up in, in the lineup, and it just didn't work. Dropping him back down in that eighth spot, he started hitting the ball again. I, I think you protect Kyle. Kyle I know he loves Kyle DeBarge, and I love Kyle DeBarge. His defense is awesome, but protect him a little bit more. Drop him down in the lineup and get your guys that you want that are hitting the ball, get them more at bats by bringing them up in the lineup. All right. It will be a very interesting series at Georgia State, and if they can get that power bat going and pitch a little bit, uh, it could be real. I mean, they've already kind of turned the corner, but they could really pick up some steam if they can have a winning weekend. So huge, huge weekend. We'll see what happens. Appreciate your time as always, sir. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. Have All a good weekend. Are you too. Craig Melanson, uh, you know, I, he was pretty – he had some pretty specific opinions about lineup changes and all. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, for the Cajuns this weekend in Atlanta against Georgia State as they play in apparently their version of of the old Clark Field. I don't uh, I don't think they have Jack Clark on their team, so it might be okay. All right, we'll take a timeout. Finish out today's first hour on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry, we have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome. Back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Want to tell you about Astro Weekend Getaway on May the 21st. Astros will be playing the Texas Rangers, who are not off to a good start, but man, their lineup scares me. Man, Corey Seager. We finally got rid of Kyle Seager. Now we got Corey Seager in the division. Uh, Marcus Simeon can really hit. Astro fans are very familiar with him. And then Adolis Garcia, who was feast or famine. The Astros struck him out a ton, but he also hit two game-winning uh, homers to beat the Astros last year late. So one of them, I was sitting in Raymond's driveway. So every time I go in Raymond's driveway, like we're exchanging cars or going on a, a trip like Tuesday, I think about sitting in that driveway and, and listening to Adolis Garcia hit a home run to beat me in extra innings. So it's kind of upsetting. But anyway, um, Astro Weekend Getaway, if you go to the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, you could win the great prize package, which includes four tickets to the game, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. The Astro Weekend Getaway, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, I was thinking about... 
I do. This is how my brain works sometimes, which some people would say, including my wife, is a little off base, or sometimes she thinks it's a lot off base. But um, this is kind of how I think. Let's say that the Saints pick in the first round who most of us want them to pick. Or at least a lot of people, I don't know about most, but a lot of people that I've seen, heard talk and, and, and or at least would be okay with picking. Who, and, and those two players are Chris Alave, wide receiver from Ohio State, and Trevor Penning, offensive tackle, Northern Iowa. So let's do it this way, because I'm about to get to a break here at the top of the hour. Who historically in Saints history would you compare those two guys to? In the history, let's say the Saints pick Alave and Penning, which is the chalk pick in my mind. If they pick Penning and Alave, which who knows if they will. But in your mind, who is that in Saint history? Who is Penning in the history of the Saints, potentially? And who is Alave in the history of the Saints, potentially? We'll get your opinions, and I'll tell you who I think they are historically, and I would take it right now except for some of the baggage of one of them. But anyway, uh, we'll t- I'll tell you who I think those two guys could be potentially next. For now, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline, 706 706- 0111-706-0111. This is a perfect time to call in. We are we will be talking with Tim Buckley in the next segment about LSU spring game tomorrow. And so that won't be a good time to call. But uh, now in the end the third segment, you get a chance to um let us know what you're fig, fig, figure, thinking about. We talked a little NBA basketball in the first segment, in the first hour. Uh, Pelicans, huge game tonight. You know, I was thinking, think about, I've been counting down to six, you know, we're down to six days now to the NFL draft. Think about what next Thursday could be. It could be one of the top two or three days in the in the history of New Orleans professional sports, really. Like, I'm not really comparing it to, like, Super Bowl day. But when you look at, it could be game six, Pelicans, Suns. And if things go well over the next couple games, you know, could be humongous. You know, I mean, we all know the series could be over. You know, but if it's not, it could be the first round of the draft, a, a critical draft. I mean, critical draft for the Saints, in my opinion. 
And it could be Game 6, Pelicans, Suns. So, wow, what a huge day. could be one of the biggest days in the history of New Orleans professional sports uh, next Thursday. When we finished the first hour, I asked a question. If the Saints end up drafting in that first round, Trevor Penning, offensive tackle from Northern Iowa, and Chris Alave, wide receiver from Ohio State. Who knows if they will? They may not even be on the board. But that that is, in my little mind anyway, what I've established as the chalk pick for the Saints, assuming they don't move up or back or pick somebody off the board or they're not, or, you know, they might not even be there. Who knows? That's why, that's why you, we have all this excitement and unknown and, and unpredictability because it's the draft. But if they do, who are those players in your mind in Saints history? So I'm going to listen to, I had a friend text me one, and he got one of the two that I'm thinking. He didn't get the second one. We'll see what y'all think. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Hey, I had to call back when you asked that. So when you asked that question, I don't know about the tackle, but Chris Olave, the first name that popped into my head was Quinn Early. Wow. And I went. I went back to look at his stats in his draft, you know. Uh, Quinn Early was, like, what, know, about a second or third round pick out of Iowa? Yeah. yeah. But, man, you would be surprised how their stats are almost identical. In college? Yeah. Well, like, not that they're like combine stats, like the 40, their hand size, uh, their wingspan or whatever. They're uh, it's, I don't know, dude. It was crazy. Their, uh, their height, their weight. Well, I, w- I wasn't thinking Quinn Early, but that's interesting that you say that. I mean, Quinn Early, uh, most you know, when, when, when most people say, okay, who are the best receivers in Saint history, very few Saints fans bring up Quinn Early, and he didn't play a lot of years in New Orleans, but he had some very productive years in New Orleans. Now, he didn't play on great teams, but he had yeah. some really nice seasons individually in New Orleans. Even after the Saints, too, he had a – I think he played for, like, the Ravens, right? I Uh, still, to this day, miss. And I think Jameis can bring that back. Um, He – I don't even – you know, I don't know all the technical terms. But when when he played with Jim Everett, and they used to – Everett had a pretty big arm. And they would throw this where he'd go up the field, like, they just run like a hook pattern, like 20 yards up the field. Like, Drew didn't run that – play very often. I still to this day think about run that play and and Jim would hit Quinn early like you know 18 20 22 yards of the field he would just go and hook and he and the ball would be there so maybe uh Jameis when he gets uncomfortable he's got a big enough form to to yeah, bring that route right. back more to take advantage of yeah. the the skill set that Chris Olave had and you know I was a big fan of Quinn early and Eric Martin my mom worked at uh at Dallas and back then, they used to have, you know, a lot of uh, sports stars would go and do autograph signings over there. And she would come home with all kinds of signings. I had Eric Martin, Quinn Early, uh, and some other people, too. Anyways. All right. Well, I appreciate the so, call. Thank you, man. Now, I wasn't thinking Quinn Early. Quinn Early, to me, was more strong. than Like, he, he had some – he did. He mentioned he had strong hands and stuff. I, he, 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 he really did. Quinn Early's um underrated player, I think, in the minds of most Saints fans in, in, in Saint history for sure. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. So we've got um 
you know, we talk, you know, look, looking at the draft, we've got big baseball series this weekend, including the Astros. It's early, like big as a relative term, but I don't want to fall. It's so early that it doesn't really matter. I get that, but I, I just don't want to play a lot of catch up. So, you know, my goal, the way I think about baseball, especially early in the season, just avoid the sweeps. You want to win every game, but you know it's baseball. You're not going to win every game. Um, <clears throat> but what you need to do is avoid the sweeps. Uh, Justin Verlander is scheduled to pitch tonight. If if Ver, you know his first two outings were fabulous, his second outing was one of the best outings, you know, of his career, at least in Houston. You know, I, I mean, it's hard to pitch any better than he did. He went. He threw eighty pitches in eight innings. It was like an old school outing. <clears throat> and um, gave up three singles, all in different innings. Walked none, struck out eight. I mean, it's hard to get a much better outing than that. They didn't reach second base. <laughs> I mean, it was just dominant. And so, hopefully, he can pitch well enough against Toronto. The only thing that scares me is even in his best years, he would always give up, you know, he'd give up a lot of solo homers. And the Blue Jays, whoo, man, they're plenty capable of hitting solo homers. They got power in that lineup. So a little scary. Um, so my goal is to not get swept, and hopefully they can they can handle that. And then obviously, uh Cajun softballs at app, they have way higher goals than to not get swept. Um, I agree with Craig. Two out of three would be tremendous for the Cajun baseball team at at Georgia State. But really, even if they lose two, and as long as they don't get swept, I think they'll still be okay. Of course, that got complicated because in my mind, they were going to sweep Monroe last week. That did not happen. Should have happened, but it didn't happen. They blew, gave up five in the ninth, going to the ninth with a 5-2 to two lead on Friday night, which was a gut punch. Uh, now they bounced back, but still, that that's a game you got to get back. And again, you get that back by going to Georgia State and winning two out of three as opposed to just winning one and out of three. I don't really expect to sweep... For instance, like he, Craig brought up that Georgia State, Georgia Southern swept Georgia State. They did. But I think if they play at Georgia State, they don't sweep them. So I, I think it's going to be a lot tougher. Uh, Georgia State, they've only lost one or two, like two games at home all season. So I think playing Georgia State at Georgia State is very different than playing them on at your own ballpark. It's one of those. In some matchups, I don't know that it matters a whole lot. but in But in this one, I think it matters a lot. And then on the LSU baseball side of things, they need to sweep. Like, they just need to sweep. Like, they still have Georgia and Vanderbilt on the sea. I mean, they LSU baseball needs to sweep. Now, it's not like they're not going to a regional if they don't. But, it, but if they want a pretty good seed going to the SEC tournament, and, you know, that's going to be interesting. We're going to talk, speaking of LSU baseball, we're going to talk about, a lot more about this, like, um, further down the road when in about three weeks or so when you start talking about SEC tournaments. LSU's always cared more about the SEC tournament than most team, than most good programs in the SEC. 
They've all, they've always almost always played well in the tournament, and seemingly the perception is it matters more to them. There's a title to be played for, so let's go play for it. That's always seemingly kind of been LSU baseball's attitude about the SEC tournament, even when they were really good. But you got a new coach in, and and that's going to be something. I mean, I don't know what he'll say, but we'll see. I wonder if Coach Johnson would have a will have a different approach to that. Than a lot of LSU teams in the past. You know, it's not time to. If you're an LSU fan, you got to win now. You you want to try to at least finish second in the SEC West. I understand that that's like down the road, but just something that that crossed my mind that could be different this year. We'll see how how that plays out. Um, all right, so here's what I'm thinking with the question I asked at the end of the last hour. If the Saints go chalk and pick Trevor Penning and Chris Alave. I think Trevor Penning is Kyle Turley. Now, you know, Kyle Turley was a good player. He was one of the few good things or at least reasonably productive things that Mike Ditka did in his three years in New Orleans because most of it was bad. Uh, He signed Sammy Knight as an undrafted free agent, turned out to be a good player. I uh, saw Kyle Turley, drafted Kyle Turley, turned out to be a good player, of course. You know, he was a psycho. And it sounds like Penning's got a little psycho in him, which is why I say that. Good, uh, not from as small a school maybe, but from a smaller school, kind of like Kyle Turley, and seems to kind of play, as they say, to the to the echo of the whistle, which is what Kyle Turley did. So, to me, a lot of similarities between Trevor Penning, what we hear and read about him, and Kyle Turley. So I would think that's the comparison to Trevor Penning. And Chris Alave, to me, he just sounds like Wes Chandler. Man, Wes Chandler was good. I know a lot of you, you have to be old like me to kind of know and have seen Wes Chandler. Wes Chandler was so smooth. I mean, smooth. (laughs) Speed and smooth. And um, that that seems to be what they're saying about Chris Olave. Not as not necessarily the strongest. Uh, like Garrett Wilson, so say a stronger hands and goes up and gets the the fifty fifty ball better. But but Chris Olave is speed and smooth and route running and man, I West it just sounds like West Chandler. So here's here's what I want. I want the Saints to pick Kyle Turley and Wes Chandler in the first round. And what do all these national people and some local, local people want? They want the Saints to pick Bobby Scott in the first round. I want Wes Chandler, arguably the best receiver that's ever played for the Saints, and Kyle Turley, not the best offensive tackle, but one of them, and, and the national media wants me to accept. I want Bobby Scott. They want they want me to pick Bobby Scott in the first round. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Let's hope they get Wes Chandler and Kyle Turley. Although, hopefully, Trevor is not quite as psycho as Kyle Turley. Let's not go quite that far, but maybe. But uh, but I would take it, even if it's really the reincarnation. Of Kyle Turley, I would take it over Bobby Scott. For sure. No doubt. All right, we'll take a timeout. 
And we'll come back, shift gears, talk LSU spring football with Tim Buckley of Tiger Rag next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. How much does foot despise the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you be the judge. I love turning 50 because I was no longer a 49. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we get to our special guest, Tim Buckley of Tiger Rag, this is an event I think Tim would actually enjoy. Cajun Comic Relief, Saturday, April the 23rd at Angel Hall on the UL campus. Uh, the bene- it is the, the event is to benefit Cajun Navy Ground Force and will feature such comedians and entertainers as Sam Jobert, Steve Shaw, and the Raging Cajun John Morgan. Tim would do his own comedy act from the, stand- the seats as he, wa- as he makes fun of Raymond. I could just picture all this in my mind right now. KDN news anchor Jeff Horshack and our own Raymond Parch, the third RP3, will serve as co-MCs. For this event, tickets are $30 and can be purchased at eventbrite.com. All right, let's go to the phone line and talk to Mr. Tim Buckley. How are you, sir? Yeah, that's not funny, Kevin. <laughs> oh, I could see it. No, could you not, not see not it? funny at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm doing just fantabulous. How are you, Kevin? <laughs> Oh, you know me. I got six days to this draft when everybody tells me I'm picking a stupid quarterback, and so we'll see what happens. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to make it. And even worse, Tim, when I actually get to the day, they're going to wait until all the way to 7 o'clock instead of doing it at 6 o'clock. Has there ever been somebody other than a stupid quarterback drafted? <laughs> do they ever draft smart quarterback? No. No. Okay. No. All right. No. Just wondering. No. All right. Now, he picks them up in free agency, but not 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 in the draft. All right, LSU spring football game tomorrow. Um, I know you're just kind of getting your feet wet in, in the whole LSU football thing, but it's it's probably the best time to do that because you know you got a new coach in and Brian Kelly, and everyone's everything is question marks everywhere you look. So, do do you get the sense that? Um, um, you know, this spring game is going to, a lot of people going to form a lot of opinions, but, but is it a, do they have enough people playing and healthy to really form any solid opinions, but what's going to happen to more, do you think? No, absolutely not. I mean, even Brian Kelly himself said they're going to go offense, defense, scrimmage format. So it's really not the spring game. It's, it's, it's basically the, the, the glorified spring practice sort of kind of not really game in front of people in Tiger Stadium. But even Brian Kelly said, look, this is not the format that I want at all, but it's just necessary because of, you know, what the the depth situation is between, you know, obviously most of the freshmen not in yet, the the the, the transfers who aren't here yet, all the injuries that they're dealing with, the, the losses that they sustained after the switchover, they just don't have – enough bodies to pull it off. So much like most spring games, 
what you read into it is it's one of 15 practices in March and April that, yeah, it's nice to, you know, get in the install, get in the work, uh, get in the observation, all of that. But in the whole scheme of things, isn't going to mean a whole lot come August. All right. So have you been able to at least kind of like, What's your first impressions on some – I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Like, like, do you think he is a coach who wants, as I would call it, a point guard at quarterback or a shooting guard at quarterback? And does he want his quarterback making plays or does he want more of a game manager? And it seems like they have those different kind of quarterbacks at his disposal. Well, he wants a non-stupid quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> um, look – he he went out. I, they went out and got Jaden Daniels from from Arizona State for a reason. Kelly likes an RPO based offense. Uh, that's what Jaden Daniels does. Um, he's a take off and go kind of guy. He's a legit dual threat guy. Um, they've basically got three of those guys now because you know Nussmeier's got some some mobility and. And uh, Walker Howard does as well. He's basically been working as the number four quarterback in this, the, the early enrollee. Um, and, and Miles Brennan is, is, is one-dimensional. Um, but the problem is, and I don't know if it's a good problem, a bad problem, whatever, the situation is Brennan looked really good all spring. Now, people say he always looks good all spring because it's practice. Um but he's he's got, I'm telling you, Kevin, he's got he's got a nice ball. He's really accurate. Um, uh, he he can air it out. He's he's on the money. Um, he's looked solid. But you know, you're only 14 practices in the spring. So what has has Jaden Daniels really gotten a chance to show? To be fair, I mean, they're all learning a new system of sorts. Uh, they're all kind of figuring it out. But but you don't to me, you don't go get Jaden. Daniels out of the transfer portal if he isn't the guy that in an ideal situation you want run in your offense, which begs the question, why did Miles Brennan come back? Now they must have told Brennan, because obviously he made the decision to withdraw from the portal. They must have told him, we are going to go out and get another guy, just so you know. You would think they told him that. Brennan himself said that they told him when they were going to get Daniels. We we know that for certain. Um but but what you know what does Miles Brennan get out of it if they're going to go get an RPO guy anyway? We, you, you have to wonder about that. Now Daniels, the flip side, he said, "Look, even if I don't win the job, I've got another year beyond 2022." Um, so you know he he's got that in the back of his mind, but. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens there. It really will. See, I, I would it would be I wouldn't put as much stock in how good um one quarterback the incumbent quarterback looks because if you had the same coach, but he's learning a new system too. So it, to me it's yeah. gotta mean more that he looks so much better than Daniels. Yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, Kelly was asked yesterday after practice specifically about Miles Brennan and and I I thought the most interesting part of what he said is he plays to his strengths and he knows his limitations. Um, and, and I think that's what a lot of people want in a quarterback. That's a good thing. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but you're right. They're, they're both 
they're both essentially starting over. Everybody's starting over there is new. Everybody, look, they don't have like 1,740 employees like Billy Napier has now at Florida, apparently. Um, but they got a whole lot of people over there. And I think like only two of them were around before. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but, it, you're right. It, yeah. It, 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 it's all new. And by the way, if it doesn't work, I got the solution for LSU at quarterback. Just the Saints can loan him Ian Book. Like, you know, and he knows all about Ian Book. So Ian Book can just go be LSU's quarterback. I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah, like LSU doesn't have enough troubles with the NCAA already. Now you're going <laughs> to throw that into the mix. Good plan, Kev. Uh, 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 all right. So, I mean, is there any, like, do you do you sense that he thinks, or does anyone, is it too early to even notice it could be a defensive team, an offensive team? Like, or, or have any conclusions in, in any of those areas kind of even been broke? You know, close oh, to get to. They said flat out they they want to have the highest scoring offense in the SEC. Like that's that's the goal. Um, that's that's what this whole thing's being built around. Look, they got the talent to do it. They they're loaded with receivers, especially if if Butte gets gets healthy. Um, they've got a deep deep receiving core, um, and you know. Like even Kyron Lacy, the former Cajun who transferred over there, he's not he's certainly not running with the starters. Um, Malik Neighbors, he's he's going to be a good one. Um, obviously, Jack Beck had the had the huge uh, freshman season. You get Butte back. Uh, they've got the talent to put up points. There's there's no question about that. But um, but they got to figure figure out who their quarterback is first. And I got a feeling that. That's going to go deep. That that it could be middle of August, and we're still wondering all these same things. Absolutely. When, when they hired Kelly, the first thing that came into my mind is, well, he's going to have to learn about you know culture down here and all that stuff. But the second thing was he's going to make their offensive line better. So. You know, offensive line is always like the big question and the big problem in spring ball, especially if you have any that are coming back that are had surgeries and rehabs, like the Cajuns went through the spring. Is there any, you know, any what 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 anything worth even talking about yet on the offensive line, or is it too well? But to me, that's the important thing. He's got to make this offensive line better. There was there was one spring practice. I don't know, remember exactly what the date was, and Brian Kelly had this look on his face like. We got the answer, and it was because they moved Will Campbell over to left tackle, um, and who who should be going getting ready to go to his spring prom um, early enrollee from Neville High in Monroe. Um, they started using him there, and all of a sudden that opened up all sorts of other possibilities for them. And they realized that they were going to have more flexibility on that line than they they originally thought so he he was he was pretty thrilled about that but you're right as as always it starts up front so is i mean i'm sure you've you've talked to people who've covered lsu football for years and like is is it just a totally different atmosphere there i mean like how i got i mean i can't even imagine there are any similarities between kelly and you know coach O. so like it's like Everyone just going through culture shock there right now, or is it is it too early to to even experience those kind of things? Well, you don't you don't need a Cajun interpreter to understand what the head coach is saying. That's that's a change. <laughs> um, the the head coach is is not used to things because he says usually at this time in spring practice he's wearing a parka and gloves, so that's 
that's different there. But the biggest thing, they've had not one, but two entire, and this might not to the general public seem like a big deal or whatever, but it is, they've had two entire practices open to the media from the beginning of practice all the way through the end. And a lot of those media guys over there, they were just like blown away by that. They were like, this hadn't happened in a long time. I mean, heck, it didn't happen under, in four years under Billy Napier with the Cajuns. Um, so did, and, did Tugtail not begin legislation? I mean, I know the NCAA is in transition. Like, he, did he not try to make a move to get that stopped from Tuscaloosa? <laughs> I mean, I can't believe he would stand for that. You're killing me. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't believe he would even stand for that. No, and I think it's a great sign. I mean, I if I could – Give him a standing ovation. I, I'd give him a standing ovation. Now, again, my expectation would be that might not happen again next year. But <laughs> what do you think? Are, he's just trying. It's like a goodwill gesture. Let's like, let's get to know each other a little bit. Very much so. He said, look, we want you guys to, to get to know us a little bit, see how we run things, get a feel for what's going on. Is this going to happen in the fall? No, probably not. Um but, you know, we, we, we want you to, you know, to, just to, to have a little experience of, of how we run things. Um, and you know what? Even if it is only twice in a year, it's two more times than, than a whole lot of people are accustomed to. I mean, there's, there's not enough transparency, um, obviously. But so when you get, I guess you're supposed to feel thankful when you get, like, just a sneak peek. Absolutely. Um, but at least it's something. Yes. Um, I, I, I mean, No, yeah. I agree. No. Okay, one more thing before I let you go. Is, is there anybody whose name has kind of surfaced that really wasn't on anyone's radar who really follows LSU that has surfaced that, are, you know, really opened in some eyes so far in camp? Well, uh, until he twisted an ankle. Uh, and, and and I say this only because he didn't play all of last season because of the academic ineligibility. But those guys were raving about John Emery, the running back, um, um, and not just for what he's been doing, you know, on the field, but but also off in terms of apparently getting his act together. And uh, they've said, you know, he's going to play in the fall. Um, and they've also said even after he he twisted his ankle i guess that was last week um he's going to play on saturday in the spring game as well now look the running backs obviously aren't you know in in as integral a part of that offense as um as others around college football but um he he in one of those open to the media sessions he he popped one run where he hit the hole and it was like whoa um and uh uh there was a lot of talk about him before he he turned that ankle all right. Well, we'll look forward to talking to you um, in the future. Uh, it's kind of kind of strange. You know, we, we've spoken so much over the years, but not so much on the air. So lots yeah, of fun. It's been, it's been 11 seasons, Kevin. This is the first time that we've ever spoken on the radio. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored. I really am. Uh, uh, <laughs> like, really, I might go outside and dance or something. This, this is awesome we've never done it on the radio are you serious together for what seven years or something like that Uh, that's hard to imagine 11 years we've never talked on the radio (laughs) talk to you later kevin
All right. I, I would love to actually, seriously, see you, your comments at Cajun Comic Relief with Raymond on stage. But I guess I guess you'll be at LSU, um, um, uh, you know, spring game, so we won't won't be doing that. All right. Hopefully yeah, we can do I'll, it again. I'll be, at the, I'll be at the Laugh Factory in Abbeville next month, so don't worry. Okay. okay. All right. Right. Thanks. <laughs> Tim Buckley of Tiger Rag. We're having lots of fun anyway. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back with more on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And of course, I got all these. Oh, you're an you know, what kind of Saints fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Want to remind you about the 35th annual A2 Fay Festival scheduled for April the 29th through Sunday, May the 1st. Man, I didn't realize Sunday that Sunday was May the 1st. Wow. In Arnaville. The festival features carnival rides, food, bingo, music, live music entertainment, including Jamie Bejeron, the Kicking Cajuns, Chubby Carrier, and the Bayou Swamp Band and Clay Cormier and the Highway Boys. You're from South Louisiana, probably. You know what a festival's all about, just to name a few. In addition to music and rides, there's also going to be a Mayor's Cook-Off Contest on Saturday, the Etouffee 5K and a car show on Sunday. Lots and lots of fun events. For more information, visit ornavillecatholic.org slash Etouffee hyphen festival. Wow, that's an address. ornavillecatholic.org slash Etouffee hyphen festival. All right. Um, no, I, I think a lot of what Tim said made sense, and yet, you know, it's kind of what you go through in a in a in a transition in a coaching transition year, especially one where you know there's so much turmoil behind the scenes and so much turnover. I mean, this is like to Tim's point, like total turnover. Now, and that wasn't all pure football turnover. A lot of it was, look, there there are a lot of things going on legally with the university behind the scenes, and so we need to re we need to turn it over, yeah, but we need to really have turnover. Now, I think in a normal setting, there would have been a few more assistants kept, that kind of thing, but it's just this is not, you know, a total. Um, normal situation. So look for, you know, look forward to see how that plays out long-term. And, you know, it sounds like LSU's spring game with quotes around it is going to be very similar to the Cajun spring game we had a couple weeks ago. on What was that? April the uh, 9th, if I remember correctly. So um, two weeks ago tomorrow. And it was, you know, it was – 
there was some quote unquote football play, but a lot of it was just kind of scrimmage work that more fans get to see. And um, but you know, you still had some good things happening, and you still had some players that look impressive. And it's all just part of the process. Let's put it that way. The game hotline, 706-0111. 706-0111 if you would like to get in. So we've talked NBA. We talked a little bit about the Astros. We talked about Cajun baseball with Craig. Um, just kind of mentioned Cajun softball. We talked about that a lot, quite a bit earlier this week. And so when we come back on Monday, it's going to be a um, – You know, we won't know much more, if anything else, about anything to do with the NFL draft. We'll know a little more about what's going on with the Pelicans and some of the other NBA series. And obviously, we'll potentially could know a lot more about uh, Sunbelt baseball, softball races, and even the um, the SEC baseball race, to seeing what LSU and Georgia and a lot of these teams do, and Alabama, I mean, against Georgia, like we talked about in the first hour. Um but we'll also be down to, what, four? The number will be four, or is it three? Uh, the number will is six today, five, four. It'll be three, three days away come Monday. Now, that's a pretty small number. We'll be Bobby Bear away. Today is six. What is that? Morstead, Barnhart. A lot of punters have been six. Five, ugh. Has there ever been a good five? What was that awful quarterback for Tennessee? He was five. Adrian McPherson was five. Not too many fives were any good for the Saints. Four. Steve Walsh. Was Todd Bauman four during the Katrina season? I want to say Todd Bauman might have been four. Not too many. Four. Three, Bobby. I heard Nick making fun of the Michigan Panthers. I mean, I look, I, I, I was not a USFL guy back in the 80s. But had I known, of course, I didn't know at the time, but had I known that the USFL was going to play such a huge role in the New Orleans Saints over the next decade, I would have watched it more probably because I would have watched it from a Saints perspective. But at the time, I mean, I had no idea what role the USFL would play in the New Orleans Saints. So I'd, I I don't know that I ever watched. Oh, I know I did. I never watched a USFL game. Now, I saw, I'm talking about just sat down and watched the whole game. That never happened. Now, I'm sure I have some like I, I watch. You know, the big play was all about Trump and the New Jersey Generals and and Herschel Walker and you know that's all everybody talked about nationally was 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 Trump and the Generals and Herschel Walker. So I probably saw like you know a couple drives of that uh, of their first game because there was so much publicity and and Herschel Walker was. You know, at that point, if you ask, you know, who was the best college football player you ever saw? But I have to say Herschel Walker. So, um, and so I saw saw a little bit of that. Uh, I'm sure I saw a little bit of 
Michigan Panthers stuff here and there, plays and drives, but I, I don't I I really I have no memory of ever watching a USFL game. But again, had I known but that they were gonna play a huge role in the in the in the Saints over the next decade or so, I probably would have watched it. Now, but I but I mean the Michigan Panthers, man, they you know, Anthony Carter was outstanding. Didn't pull for him in college because I was more of a Ohio State guy over a Michigan guy. Well, definitely was. Not more of one. I was. I rooted for Ohio State every time against Michigan. Um, and 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 then of course, Anthony Carter played on the Vikings that tortured the Saints. Just tortured them. The irony of of him being Bobby Abear's teammate there was is pretty, pretty big irony there. But no. Um, have zero interest in this. You know, I have a friend who's probably the biggest remaining USFL fan of all time, and he has a huge picture of Irv Eatman in his room, like a huge poster of Irv Eatman. Like, I don't even know if Irv Eatman's mom, if she's still living, ever had a poster of Irv Eatman as big as Stevie P has. But he just loves him. So he's and he doesn't care anything about this USFL, like nothing. Like this is not the USFL. The USFL had great players. So certainly um, won't be watching much of that. But to be fair, I did watch a, a little bit, a few of because it was on at my in-laws' house last week. So, all right, let's take uh, one more quick call on the game hotline before we get to our final break of today in this week's show. Hello. Hey, bro, it's Joey. Howdy. First off, Olave is a number two. Wes Chandler was a number one. So I get Olave's a good receiver, but he's projected as a number two receiver. Not, And we've got a number one, so that makes him – a good fit for us, but it kind of makes me think why all the hoopla about drafting a guy that really projected to be a number two receiver, not a number one. And Wes Chandler was a true number one receiver. So I'm talking about their skill sets. I mean, they're both going to be first round picks and their skill sets are very similar. Just not like big physical strong, but smooth, fast, good route run. I mean, their skill sets uh, seem very similar to me. Yeah, I, and I get that. I just do think he's a number two, and his size kind of worries me a tad, but he is so smooth. and West Channel was not big. West Channel was not big. Right, and the one thing West, uh, the one thing um, that Winston needs is a deep threat. So um, I'm with you. I, I look, again, our perfect draft is – I'm starting to really think, though, Kevin, you're going to have three tackles going in the top ten. And if they're going to want one of those three, I've been playing around, and, and I could see us trading up as far as seven with the Giants, but we'd have to sacrifice both of our first yeah, round picks. Uh, that's to do not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Well, it's it, look, it's you've got to secure the left side of your offensive line. I think that's I think most- I think Cross. I think there's a better chance of Cross being there than you think there is. I think there that three tackles go in the top ten, and Cross will be one of them. And I wouldn't be shocked if Cross went ahead of Neal. And that's so, what I that's what I have projected on my mock drive as it as of right now too. But what I'm saying is, if the Arnolds pick a quarterback, and and Seattle doesn't pick Cross, I don't think anybody else is taking him. I think the Giants take Cross possibly as high as five. 
Oh, no, I don't believe that. And that makes them a real good trade partner. They can drop back to 16 and 19. And according to the draft value board, we could get we could give up our 16, 19th, and our 4th and basically get their 7th pick and then their two-third rounders, 67 and 81. And fulfill. We don't want to trade up. This is not a draft to trade up in. This is a draft to trade back in. That would be insanity. If you want one of these top three tackles, you're going to have to trade up. Never dreamed of getting a top three tackle. It's not part of the equation. Well, I just think it's the most important position of need for us right now. And, And I know everybody says receiver. We need a left tackle in the discussion. And there's three. Surefire studs available. There's a there's a very good chance that the left tackle won't even start. The one no, they well, drive. if you get one of those three, they will. I guarantee it. You get one of those three guys, they're going to start for you. They're going to have to, especially if you trade up to get them. And and I would I'd hope that it's not happening. May fall, may fall, may fall. And the it's more I happen. look at it, those they're going to be three tackles. They're not the trading top. up for an offensive tackle. That's not happening. You can get that out your well, mind right now. Would you rather that or pick a quarterback? Oh, I'd rather anything. I'd rather pick a punter or a kicker than a quarterback. You know the answer to yeah, that question. Just, just but but neither one of them 19, is going to happen. If they sit at 16 and 19, one of those quarterbacks is going to be there, and they may be tempted. So I'd just soon get that out of the way. You trade up. You lock up the left side of your line for the next decade, and you get draft a receiver in round two, and it gives you – Two third rounders that you can get a safety and a running back or a tight end and a running back if you want. So anyway, I, all right, I got I, I, I got to take a, I got to take a break, Joey. We're, we're we're way over. Thanks for the call. I don't think it's going to happen, but we will see. We're all speculating. Obviously, we'll be back on the game. Please dock that song. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need it next Friday if things don't go well. Along with a little Marshall Tucker and Jim Croce for sure. All right, welcome back. If you're looking for something to do this weekend, that's a little unique. May we suggest Cycle Zydeco? It's a festival on wheels. It will take you to all kinds of great events and uh, that accentuate Cajun and Creole culture. Unique. Looking for volunteers and people who want to get and uh, participate in a ride that will take you to all kind of tours and attractions from camping, all kind of things. Immerse yourself in Cajun and Creole culture with Cycle Zydeco. For more information, visit CycleZydeco.org. All right. So, you know, it's so funny because... Joey is a Saints fan friend who doesn't see he's kind of souring on the wide receiver and he wants to trade up for a tackle. Then I have another Saints fan friend. He does he's not even sure that he wants the Saints to pick a tackle in the first round because he's so alienated. He hates Andrews Pete and he hates Caesar Ruiz. So he's kind of upset about where the Saints have, the way they drafted offensive linemen and the ones, and he's not even that high on McCoy. So he's like, I don't, I don't even think I want him to pick an offensive lineman in the first round. Then I have other Saints fan friends, oh, we're going to botch it anyway because we always botch the drive. And, and, and it's just, and then there's me, the calm, rational Saints fan who stays kind of down the middle. He's good with this and he's good with that. And, you know, I, 
I don't know what they would do without me. Like they they they're so out on the edge and they they want this or they want that and pick a defensive lineman is the worst thing in the world. You pick an offensive tackle is the worst thing in the world. Joey don't want wide receiver anymore. He was the one telling me how they had that we had the worst wide receiving core of all time. Why can't y'all all be calm and rational when it comes to this draft like me? Craziness. Craziness. Six more days. Hopefully we make it. All right. Appreciate all the phone calls. Appreciate Tim coming on. Craig coming on. Y'all have a nice weekend.